The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Wimbet. Wimbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, Wimbet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. This cost me 300 bucks! Would you shut up about the car? Hey, and another thing. How do you know where I live? Let's just say we're related, Biff. And that being the case, I got a little present for you. Something that'll make you rich. You want to be rich, don't you? Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. That's rich. (laughs) You're going to make me rich? (laughs) You see this book? This book tells the future, tells the results of every major sports event till the end of the century. Football, baseball, horse races, boxing. The information in here is worth millions, and I'm giving it to you. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then, leave. And take your book with you. Don't you get it? You could make a fortune with this book. Let me show you. Morocco are very, very difficult to beat. And historically, when teams deliberately try to do things to put themselves in easy halves of the draw, it hasn't always worked out. I think... In playing Croatia, Spain would have faced the worst version of themselves. So they both play possession-based football. They both like to pass it around. They're both very technical. But Spain are better at it. Spain are the um, are the inventors of tiki-taka. Spain have higher-value players. Spain have younger players. Spain are a better version of Croatia in all areas. And here, coming up against Morocco, they face a very different prospect. They face a team who are very, very difficult to break down. They face a physical team. They face a team who didn't concede against Croatia or against Belgium and the only goal they have conceded was via a goalkeeping mistake by the Canadian goalkeeper they've conceded one goal so far in this tournament and have scored four and I think the Spain are in for a long night I like Morocco on the double chance market 6-4 plus 150 to not lose this game across 90 minutes and ultimately I think Morocco are a live dog to qualify especially when you look at the ease that the first four teams have qualified for in the first two days all the favourites went through I don't think Spain are going to have an easy time here the difference between Spain and other teams like uh, an England or a France or, or a Brazil is the fact that when things aren't going their way, they have have world-class players who can produce a moment of quality. They have an Mbappe. When you're looking at Argentina, they have a Messi. When you're looking at other players across the world, someone like Robert Lewandowski and Haaland, they can produce a goal out of nothing. Spain have Morata. When they can't pass the ball around you, they have only Morata in the box. And when you're looking at Belgium, they didn't even have Lukaku on the pitch when they played him. They didn't have that outlet. When their passing game and their possession wasn't working against Morocco and they weren't able to break down a stubborn defensive low, 
Roblox. They didn't have anything. And in Morata, I would I would argue that Spain don't really have too much either. So if their predictable play doesn't work, then um, then Spain are going to be in trouble. I don't really like this this Spain team to go far in this tournament. I think their fullbacks are old and easy to get at. I don't think that the centre-back pairings fill me with confidence. I think the goalkeeper is a disaster waiting to happen with him trying to always play with the ball at his feet. I think that they're going to struggle to break teams down at sitting here with a low block. If Croatia didn't score and Belgium didn't score against this Morocco team, I don't understand how you have Spain as one to five favourites just because they smashed Costa Rica in their opening game. This Morocco team haven't lost a competitive game within 90 minutes since the 2018 World Cup. They're unbeaten in four games at this, they're beaten in three games, sorry, at this competition after winning two of their three group games and they held Spain to a 2 2 draw in 2018 and managed to, of course, beat Belgium to secure top spot. Spain have failed to win their, their last two games in this competition and they're starting to look defensively shaky. Now, we will see a different team, we will see a different backline, but ultimately it's the same thing. It's Spain having all of the ball and trying to break down a stubborn Moroccan team who've only conceded one goal via a goalkeeping error. So I will take Morocco on the double chance market to at least make this a long night to Spain, long night for Spain. And I definitely like this physical and stubborn Morocco team to give Spain a real game here. And as a live dog at a huge price of 10 to 3, they have everything here to spring an upset. They have a stubborn defensive line and quality players on the pitch that can produce something with a moment of magic via a counter-attack or definitely via set piece with the likes of uh, Hakam Ziyech delivering dangerous balls into the box. So every corner and every free kick is going to be a threat to Spain. As I said, I don't see how they arrived at this price. And I think Morocco are a very dangerous opponent for the Spanish here in this one. It's going to be a penalty shootout at Education City. Sarabia for Spain. And hits the post. Save! Save again! Incredible! Bono the hero! Three penalties taken, none scored for Spain. Hakimi facing Unai Simon. What a way to do it! It's North African World Cup history, it's Moroccan World Cup history. It's Spanish penalty despair again. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? You are listening to your World Cup quarterfinal preview here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. I am at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. The pin tweet on the at LockBetting.com Twitter account is the PL. 
for the month of November for LockBetting.com, where I delivered our 115th month in a row of Transparent Track Profits to sign up for futuristic picks for the month of December. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but we've had a very strong start to the month of December, particularly hammering the World Cup round of 16 after having a losing day on the first day, which featured the USA versus Holland game. I was heavy on the under. I won on every single game on Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, including six picks alone for the Morocco-Spain game. Hit every single one of them, first half under, one unit play on the overall under, the penalty shootout for Morocco to qualify via penalties. It was just win after win after win. And then we uh, followed that up by having a winning play on the Portugal game, or at least a pending future on the Portugal game. We also went 11-2 and in the NFL this weekend as well. So strong, strong start to the month. Head over to lockbetting.com if you want to get that content. We are here to look at the quarterfinal plays here with the games happening on Friday and Saturday. And we begin with the game between Brazil and Croatia. Brazil are actually the shortest favourite this weekend. They are 1-3 to three on the money line to win this game in 90 minutes. It's 19-5 to five here on the draw and it's 17-2 to two here on Croatia. Croatia have done very, very well following up a World Cup final with a World Cup quarterfinal, especially when you consider that a lot of these players are playing in their last World Cup. You won't see Perisic again. You won't see Modric again. So some of these key players, they will be finishing up after this. And uh, they've still got through to a World Cup quarterfinal, albeit via a penalty shootout against Japan. Japan penalties were poor. But I cannot make a case for them here. I think Brazil are the right favourites here. I think 1-3 to three is a little bit short. And I also think that 1-7, minus 700 on the overall qualification odds is a little bit short. But ultimately... I cannot make a case for Croatia. Croatia are not one of these teams who set up defensively. In the group, Brazil came up against Switzerland. They came up against Serbia. They came up against Cameroon. Teams that are going to play the low block. Croatia are a team who have expectations of football. They're expected to play a certain way. They like to play a possession-based, technical, attacking style of football. And I don't think they're going to change anything here against Brazil. Will they be wary? Will they be a little bit more conservative? Will they be looking out for certain players? Yes. But ultimately, they're not going to sit in with a low block here. They're going to play their game like they did in the World Cup final in 2018. And ultimately, that led to them being beaten by France because France had better quality on the pitch. And I think we'll see the same thing happening again here with Brazil's better players coming through for them and putting them in the World Cup semi-final where they will face the winner of Argentina and Holland, which takes place later on that evening. As for a bet here, I think taking Brazil and tacking on the over 1.5 goals is a smart way to go. This gets you Brazil on the money line by any score barring a 1-0 win. And as I said, I don't think it's going to be that type of game where Brazil do win it 1-0 because I don't expect Croatia to sit in and for Brazil to be needing to knock on the door and knock on the door until they break through, much like they did against both Serbia and Switzerland. I think Croatia are going to show a lot more ambition than those two teams. And I think 
ultimately that will be their undoing and probably makes for an easier game than Brazil had against both Serbia and Switzerland. Not as easy as the game they had in the last round where they looked very, very impressive against South Korea. I think I would argue that that's the best 45 minutes that any team has shown in the tournament so far. But it was also heavily aided by very poor tactics from South Korea who decided to go toe-to-toe with this Brazilian team. I don't think Croatia are going to come in with similar tactics. I think they're going to play with a false nine. I think they're going to try and win the midfield battle. But ultimately, I think Brazil's better quality will shine through. And once Brazil get the opener, the game should open up and we should see more goals adding more weight to our play here for Brazil on the money line with the over 1.5 goals tacked on. Brazil have hit seven goals in four games in this tournament so far and have only failed to score in one of their last 12 games. And that was when they drew a blank against Cameroon, but that was a much changed side, having already won the group. Croatia are up against it, but as I said, they will be competitive here. They do raise their game for bigger nations. And as a team, they've only failed to score in three of their last 13 matches in 2022. So I think this will be a competitive game, but Brazil are better than Croatia. Croatia aren't going to sit in with that low block. We're going to see a good football match here, but I think we're going to see Brazil win it in the 90-minute period to advance to the semi-finals. Up next, we look at the game here between Argentina and Holland. It's important for us for Argentina to advance for our futures. I gave out futures plays on Argentina at the start of the tournament and I'd rather not be seeing Holland here because historically this fixture between Holland and Argentina in the World Cup does not favour Argentina. Although Argentina are the 23 to 20 favourites to win it on the money line, it's 11 to 5 on the draw and it's 5 to 2 on the Dutch. The qualification odds see Argentina available at the best price of 4 to 6 minus 150, with Holland available at the best price of 7 to 5 plus 140. So, the reason why historically this doesn't favour Argentina is because the Dutch have only lost one of their last nine clashes with Argentina, and that was the 1978 World Cup final, which took place in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, Argentina have been beaten by European opposition in their last nine exits from the World Cup knockout stage. And uh, the Netherlands manager, Louis van Gaal, hasn't lost in the 19 games since he took over and returned as the Holland boss. He also didn't lose at the last World Cup he managed. He went out via a penalty shootout. And a penalty shootout, as we know, counts as a draw. And he exited at the hands of Argentina via that shootout. Now, I'm not one of these handicappers that look to revenge because I personally feel that professional athletes will always play to a high level anyway. They aren't really going to be overly motivated by revenge, especially at this level. This is a World Cup. These players aren't going to play many World Cups during their career. Some are very, very lucky to play five. Most only end up playing two or three. So this is very, very serious anyway. A lot of these players aren't going to be looking at revenge. Louis van Gaal's not going to be looking at revenge, although it is a popular batting angle. What they will be looking at is how Netherlands were able to move up the gears against the US. That was a better performance than any of the performances they put in in the group stage. And they advanced in that group with seven points. So they looked impressive enough as it was. But they certainly went up another couple of gears against the US. You could 
could argue the USA looked a little bit more disorganised, looked a little bit more nervous. They played into Holland's hands. Uh, Louis van Gaal won the tactical battle. You could make all those arguments, but at the end of the day, Holland still beat a team that looked very, very strong in the group phase, a team that England couldn't beat. Holland took them to pieces, and that's why they are here in the World Cup quarterfinal against Argentina. It was a game that I projected at the start of the tournament, but I'm a little bit worried in terms of what I've seen from the Dutch in terms of how they were able to go up the gears and at the same time how Argentina, they haven't looked great in any of their wins so far. They turned up for the second half against Mexico, but again, they needed a moment of messy magic. They needed a moment of messy magic as well in the first half to open up Australia because the game looked pretty, pretty dull at that point. It seemed like we were very, very easily heading towards a first half under. Then Messi produced a moment of magic again. And again, they'll be relying on him here. The difference is, is that Holland, they do have a couple of players who can who can double up on Messi and try to take him out of the game. And you do worry that that's not going to free up other Argentinian players to win the game, because it seems like you need Messi to win games for you. In other teams, and you look up and down this World Cup, and you look at Brazil, for example, and you look at a team wanting to double mark Neymar, it would open up the game for other players like Richarlison and for Vinicius Jr. to do something in the game if Neymar was double marked. If teams manage to neutralise Messi, you worry where the goal threat's going to come from here for Argentina, especially when you look at someone like Lataro Martinez playing so poorly in this tournament. It's not really worked for him. He hasn't scored a single goal yet. Di Maria's been in and out of the team. So you do worry in terms of who's the match winner if Holland do tactically decide to mark Messi out of the game. And Louis van Gaal would definitely have a plan for Lionel Messi. So as an Argentina backer, I am concerned. I'm concerned by Holland's performance. I'm concerned by the fact that Louis van Gaal seems to be the better manager and have a plan for Messi. I'm concerned by the historical data. So it's difficult to make a pick here for this game. I think this one could go the full 120 minutes. So if you haven't got a future on Argentina, you can just take a separate bet here. And don't worry about that. And just take a double chance play here on Holland. I do think Argentina may need the full 120 minutes to do it. I can't see them winning in a 90 minute period against a Holland team managed by Louis van Gaal, who hasn't lost in the 19 matches since he took charge. They've also gone unbeaten in 11 World Cup games under Van Gaal. As I reiterate, they did exit the 2014 World Cup, but they were unbeaten because a penalty shootout counts as a draw and the penalty shootout they lost to was against Argentina. So I'm going to take Holland on the double chance market that is available at the price of 7-10. to 10. I hope I'm wrong with this one because um, my futures are more important to me and I do have Argentina as my winner for this tournament. I have them to reach the quarterfinal and I have them to reach the semi-final as well. So it's important for me to cash those futures plays. But as a futures backer, I am concerned about the Dutch and I'll certainly be looking at a hedge here for this one. Before we move on to Saturday's games, let me take a time out to tell you guys about Wimbet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, Wimbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee and Virginia. We're bringing excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Looking to get involved in a same game parlay? WinBet is your home with their WinBet. Build your own bet, letting you customize the bet you want to make. 
Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now. Winbet. Winbet has what you need to win. So if you're ready to play, sign up today. Receive a special offer, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgallonpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgallonpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Now, this offer subject to change. Terms of is available at winbet.com. Obviously, 21 or older and present in the state with play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 4700 Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? That isn't enough here for supporters to grow frustrated with the style. They believe that Portugal should be doing better. They believe there's a massive array of talent. And look, listen, we've just broken it down and there is. There is unbelievable bags of talent. And once Cristiano Ronaldo retires, they will continue to do well in competitions. This is no longer the Ronaldo show. And this is probably going to be his last World Cup. But ultimately, I do believe the insistence on playing him will be the uh, thing that costs him the World Cup unless there is a point in this competition where Portugal are managing to go through and they realise that it's nothing to do with Ronaldo and they decide if we want to continue in this competition then we need to stop trying to accommodate Ronaldo. We've managed to get this far so far without him doing that much but now is the time where we need to be 100%. We need to completely think about the team. We need to put out the best lineup to win the game like Manchester United have done. Like Manchester United did against Tottenham, against Arsenal, against Liverpool, all three of those big wins this season came without Cristiano Ronaldo because Eric Ten Hag made the decision that Manchester United were better off and in order to win these games they needed a forward that can press and they needed to break with pace and I don't know if that's going to be the case during this competition uh, but it could be that Fernando Santos himself needs to make this decision in order for Portugal to continue to progress in this competition he may come up against a team where they don't play with Cristiano Ronaldo in order to overcome that hurdle. Portugal have dropped Cristiano Ronaldo to the bench for their last 16 tie against Switzerland. Man, I'm tired of being right. And that's the kind of guys that say, we told you so, but we told you so. Okay, very good. Yeah, I did tell you. I did tell you if Portugal want to progress in this tournament, they need to find a way to play without Cristiano Ronaldo. All the players are there. You've got all the tools there to compete and genuinely win this World Cup. And Ronaldo's the player that's holding you back. He's a player that's holding back Man United. And he's a player that's holding back Portugal. And they have made that change, as I predicted, as I saw in my Grey's Sports Almanac. And uh, yeah, he's not playing. And I don't think he's going to start another game for Portugal in this tournament. I don't think he'll be back in side for this game against Morocco. And ultimately, the Ronaldo situation is ending sadly. It's ending disgracefully. It's ending bitterly. He's having meltdowns and arguments and fallouts. And he's doing stupid interviews with Piers Morgan. And he seems somewhat deluded by where he's at with his game. So we'll talk more about this on Better MFC. I know he's not a Man United player, but ultimately, I think it's the 
best place to discuss it. Where will he go next? He's probably going to jet off to Saudi Arabia. He's not going to go back to the Premier League. I don't think he's going to find a top European side. I don't think he's going to be playing in the Champions League. So it looks like he's going to go to Saudi and it looks like he's not going to start another game for Portugal unless there's a dramatic U-turn. But when somebody comes on and scores a hat-trick, then um, it's very difficult to put you back in the side, especially when the team looks so good. They are the four to six favourites here on the money, money line against Morocco. It's 11 to four on the draw and it's 19 to four here on Morocco. Portugal are the one to three favourites to qualify with Morocco available here at five to two. I was very high on Morocco last time and I'm not very high on them here for a number of reasons. They've done very, very well to get to this point. But at the end of the day, I believe that game against Spain was their cup final. They celebrated it like it was their cup final. Obviously, there's history between Morocco and Spain. There's a little bit between Portugal and Morocco as well, but it's not the same. And at the end of the day, physically, how can you turn up here in this spot? How can you be 100%? You have 120 minutes in your legs in what is a very, very short World Cup. We're trying to get these games played as quick as possible because it's happening in the winter. Clubs uh, want their players back so they can carry on with the domestic season. So the break isn't really long enough for Morocco to recover. In addition to that, you played a Spain team that had nearly um, nearly 80% of the ball in that game. They dominated the ball possession. And obviously, as Pep Guardiola always says, the ball moves faster than the man. So they were chasing this ball around, not for 90 minutes, but for 120 minutes, trying to stay in the game. That's going to take its toll. And now you play against a Portugal team who had the game won at half time and um, didn't really have to do too much in the second half. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Morocco coming off that 120 minutes to put out the same type of performance here. Obviously, it's a great story, but ultimately, when you play 120 minutes just a couple of days ago and you have 23% of the possession, you're not going to stand a chance here against this Portugal team. At the same time, Portugal have more weapons. They do play possession-based football as well, but if they want, they can move the ball around a lot quicker. They have more match winners in their team. In Ramos, who replaced Ronaldo, they have a player that just scored a hat-trick, but they also have Bruno Fernandes, they have Jao Felix, they have Rafael Leal on the bench as well. So lots of players here that Spain don't have that can win a game if it is tight. I think Morocco may be able to keep it tight for 45 minutes, but ultimately... Once Portugal get the breakthrough, the game will open up and I expect Portugal to possibly score again. So I don't think Morocco are going to force this one to 120 minutes. I think Portugal get through and I think they get it done on 90 minutes. This is a simple cap for me. Just take Portugal here on the money line. I think they get it done in the 90 minute period. You can look for other plays. You can tack on other things. You can possibly tack on the... um, the under three and a half or under four and a half goals here. But I think the price of four to six minus 150 is fair enough. Sometimes you don't really need to look around and try to extend plays and make them too complicated when there's a good enough price here available simply on Portugal to get the job done. In addition to that, you look at the fact they're coming off the 6-1 against Switzerland. This team are united now. This team have shown that they can do it without Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't think these players 
want Cristiano Ronaldo to start another game. I don't think they want Cristiano Ronaldo necessarily on the pitch. I don't think there's any beef between the players and Ronaldo. But at the end of the day, this is a player who demands the ball. This is a player who demands to be involved in the game. If he isn't delivering and he's still demanding, it's a difficult situation for all these players. As I said, they don't necessarily have to fall out with him. They don't necessarily have to have arguments with him. But I think everybody can see at this point, Juventus, Manchester United, Portugal, everybody's better off with Cristiano Ronaldo. This current incarnation of Cristiano Ronaldo, this isn't a slant on his legacy, although it will be if he continues to behave this way and continues to demand that he's played or has these outbursts. I think Ronaldo at this point needs to just accept where he's at. He's going to have to watch this World Cup from the bench. He's going to get 20 minutes or 15 minutes in certain games. But at the end of the day, he's not a starter. If Portugal are going to win this World Cup or go any further, it's going to be without Cristiano Ronaldo. And I do think they will end up in the semi-finals. I think they'll win this game on the money line. So I'm going to take Portugal on the money line at 4-6, to six, minus 150 to get it done in 90 minutes here in this one. The final game is the big one on paper. It's France versus England. This will be your final quarterfinal. I think the winner of this game will go on to meet Portugal in the other semi-final. And the bookies have France as the narrow favourites here. France are available at 6-4 on the money line. You can get 2-1 on England to win it in the 90-minute period. And it's 9-4 here on the draw. The qualification odds see France as the narrow favourites. France are available here at four to five, with England available even money plus one hundred. So, I drew these two teams up. I did a video podcast with Sean and Ryan on the Sports Gambling Podcast, and I drew these two teams up on paper. And ultimately, my combined eleven ended up having seven England players and only four players from France. But I still believe that bookies have the correct team priced up as the favourites. Now, if England were to approach this as English Champions League teams do, like Manchester City, for example, or Liverpool, then England would be able to win this game. They'd look at the players on the pitch. They'd find a way to neutralise Kylian Mbappe. And they'd go on and win this game. But ultimately, Gareth Southgate doesn't have that approach. He's going to set up cautiously here. He already did it in the round of 16 against Senegal. Senegal were the better team in that game for the first 35 minutes. And England scored their first goal against the run of play. So I know 3-0 looks good, but England were not the better team for the first 35 minutes. And that concerns me. And the way that England set up concerns me because we're not playing Mason Mount. Not that I think that Mason Mount is, is the right player to play. We're not playing uh, James Madison. We're not playing Jack Grealish. We're playing Phil Foden out wide. If England really wanted to strike some fear into France, they'd play Phil Foden in front of Bellingham and Declan Rice. They'd put all that youth in the middle. They would trust Rice and Bellingham to be able to win the ball in midfield. They'd allow Foden to create. They'd put two fast players out wide. They'd play Saka and they'd play Rashford and they'd play Harry Kane down the middle. This would be a team that would scare France. Instead, England set up with three holding midfield players in Bellingham and Rice and Henderson. They pay respect to Senegal. They pay the same respects to France. And ultimately, that's going to lead to England making all the effort to stop killing Mbappe. It would not surprise me to see Carl Walker doing a man-marking job on him with Saka having to track back to also look after Mbappe. Would Jude Bellingham also ask to play in a defensive role to look after the other players that France have when you're looking at Dembele, when you're looking at Griezmann, when you're looking at Olivier Giroud. And that's not what England should do. On the other side, you may have France doing the same thing, whereas France usually don't really 
look at what the other team have and have always been able to play their attacking players so far in this competition, they may now may, they may now decide that they need to drop either Dembele or Griezmann rather than playing with Griezmann, Giroud, Dembele and Mbappe, which are four attacking players supported by the holding players of Tushimani and Rabiot. They may take one of those attackers out, go to a 4-3-3 formation rather than a 4-2-3-1 and add Camavinga into that team instead of Griezmann or, or Dembele, meaning that they are equally paying respect to England. What that can lead to is these two teams cancelling each other out. And we see this all the time in football. We see teams that look like they are very, very attack-minded on paper. And we see it here with the type of players that they can play with Foden and Rashford and Saka and Kane and Mbappe and Griezmann and Giroud and Dembele. And ultimately, the managers both recognise what the other two teams had and we see them cancelling each other out. Therefore... I'm going to go for under two and a half goals here. I think that both managers recognise the weapons that the other two teams have. I think England have the better squad depth, especially when you look at the injuries that France have. This should be a dream scenario for Southgate to finally beat a team in a major competition as an underdog. This would be his big marquee win. At 2018, we won every game as a favourite. In 2021, at the 2020 Euros, we won every game as a favourite. And we should not have lost to Croatia. And we should not lost. We should not lost. We should not have lost to Italy. And we should not lose here to this France team. We should beat this France team. They're missing Kante. They're missing Pogba. They're missing a number of players. England should be able to win this game with the talent that we've brought over to Qatar. When we're looking at Foden, Rashford, Saka, Madison, Carrie Kane, all of these players are capable of winning the game if we set up to win this game. I have a feeling that we're going to set up to neutralise France. We're going to come in here with the three holding midfielders, play, holding midfield players again. I don't want to see Jordan Henderson on the pitch, but unfortunately that's going to be the case. We're going to have Saka splitting his efforts between attacking and defending. That's why he's going to get the nod there because he has familiarity playing as a wing back. So we're going to be focusing primarily on stopping France from playing rather than doing doing what we should do, which is approach this as a game that we can win. Look at all the Champions League players that we have. Look at what the English Champions League managers do. I'm not talking about English Champions League managers. I'm talking about the Champions League managers who manage English teams. Look at what Pep would do. Look at what Klopp would do. Look at what Ten Hag would do. They would try and win these games. They would not think about what their opponents have. To a certain extent, you do have to when you have a player like Kylian Mbappe, but Carl Walker's capable of doing that job. He's done it in the Champions League. You don't need to pick a team here to neutralise every single threat that France have because we have more threats than them. And uh, I don't think Southgate's going to identify that. And I do believe that England are going to be too cautious here. And ultimately, that could cost them. I'm not going to make a pick in terms of who wins this game. For me, it is a 50-50 toss-up. If England approach the game correctly, they can win it. If, uh, if they don't, France have more tournament pedigree and they'll be the ones who come through. But ultimately, I think we have a lot of threats on the pitch. And in Deschamps and Gareth Southgate... We have two managers who will try to neutralise those threats. And I think we're going to see two teams, two very good attacking teams, catching each other out. And I think this one could go all the way. I wouldn't be surprised to see 120 minutes. And I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see under two and a half goals. And I think that's going to be my main lean here for this game at the price of 10 to 11. It's 10 to 11 on over two and a half goals and 10 to 11 on under two and a half goals. A lot of people are going to be going for that over. A lot of people are going to be looking at both teams to score when you look at the players on the pitch. But as I 
I said, these managers will identify all of those players as well. And there will be individual game plans for everybody, particularly Kylian and Bappe. So that's it for me and your quarterfinal previews. I'll be back for the semifinals once these quarterfinals have concluded. Until then, good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.